Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. My guest is Leron Benzavim, uh, the CEO of uh, the Glimpse Group. Website is theglimpsegroup.com. We've been talking about the AR and VR applications that they're working on. So, Leron, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you for coming. So, tell me about the Glimpse Group. What's the premise of the company? So, the Glimpse Group is actually a, a very unique structure. Uh, we are a platform company, so we actually have 10 startups that are fully owned and are making part of the Glimpse Group. And obviously, kind of, uh, we're constantly adding additional companies. So uh, so there, there's two pieces to our story. One of it is the virtual reality and augmented reality. And the other one is the unique structure of uh, trying to uh, build innovation in a different way. Uh, so we can focus on either, either part of that. Well, let, you know, let's cover both. So tell me, what, uh, you know, tell me about the innovation piece first, and then we'll go to the other piece. So one of the things that are kind of unique uh, for startups is kind of they have certain problems that they're trying to solve. The first one kind of is the premise for every startup is finding a problem in the world that has not been solved or at least not been solved effectively by anyone. Uh, the second uh, challenge a startup has is, okay, how can you solve that problem? So th- those are unique to every startup. Uh, but one of the challenges we have uh, Kind of in the real world is after you do that, you find a problem and you figure out how to solve it. You need to go raise money for that and build a company. And those two are two different uh, challenges. And uh, what we're trying to do is to separate them and allow the teams to focus on what they're good at, which is uh, uh, the innovation, finding that problem and solving it and building their product and service around that and create an environment that allows them uh, to succeed uh, as part of this ecosystem of like-minded entrepreneurs. So you're good at the uh, raising money part? Is that the part you help them with? No. Uh, well, that's part of what we do. We take that away from them because that's usually not their skill set, but we're created an ecosystem for them. Uh, there's 10 companies. They all kind of are owned by each other in a sense. Uh, and there's a lot of sharing and uh, co-working around solving uh, similar problems because all of the entrepreneurs understand the same technology and uh, are aligned with each other. Oh, so they're sharing ideas, they're talking, they're meeting together, and this collaboration you're thinking is what helps the innovation amongst the companies? Yeah, so it's kind of, it's very lonely to start a company by yourself, even if you have a couple of co-founders. You're sitting there either in a WeWork or in your garage and trying to, uh, to build something, and it's very siloed. So kind of as, as the startup scene evolved, there is a lot of accelerators and incubators out there, but there's a few challenges with that model. One of the, the challenges of the, uh, the accelerator incubator model is the companies are coming from different industries. So most of the time there's nothing, no common thread outside of the fact that they're all startups and they all uh, come in, they're there for three, six months and then they move on. And all of the challenges uh, that those startups have stay with them. What we do in our model is we're building this community that stays together and uh, we take care of all the things that are not core to what the startup does. So both kind of the operational, the business development, 
the capital raising, the uh, kind of managing and building a company, all that is done kind of by us, and they're focusing on really building their products and taking it to market. Okay. Um, so what have you found happens when uh, companies come into your you know, co-working space and collaborate? You know, how long does it take them to get into the flow of things, and do they mind sharing about their ideas? Or, you know, what have you noticed? So usually kind of when the companies come, it's, it's a process that we kind of work with them kind of as they're coming in. Uh, it's a kind of dual selling. So we're selling them on our unique model and how we do things. And they're selling us on kind of what, what's unique about them and why we should kind of bring them in to be part of Glimpse. And when they come in, they're eager to kind of be part of this. And usually they kind of uh, become part of the scene very, very quickly. Okay, makes sense. So, but again, what do you notice happens? What's the ramp in terms of uh, what's happening in their minds in the first, you know, few weeks to a month? Like, what do you notice uh, happens when a company, you know, comes in their first day and then settles in over the weeks? So, so they're usually kind of basically coming in and getting to know everybody, and uh, part of that is the process even before they come, uh, because one of the selling factors is that you want to be part of this. And when people come to our kind of office and see kind of uh, all the all the teams working together, they they want to be a part of that. As they come in, it's uh, it's about kind of getting to know the different skill sets of the people around them and who they can rely on for help in each area, and also kind of establishing themselves. What do they bring to the table and how they can help other teams uh, in their environment? Again, it's important to stress that each team has their own uh, view and they're all product and they're, they're set up as their own entity but they're all kind of uh, part of the Glimpse uh, family and they're kind of helping each other kind of achieve success. Well, what kind of feedback do you get from them as they're in various parts of the process, you know, positive or negative or, you know, what have you learned about doing this that surprised you that you didn't think would happen, but did? So, so, so one of the things that we're, as we built Glimpse kind of the vision was to help kind of with those uh, challenges that the, the teams are not core on we didn't really expect the, uh, the, the strength of how people will help each other. And kind of when you see in, in the evening kind of three or four people from three different teams sitting together and solving one team's problem, uh, even though they're not kind of, it's not part of their job description, uh, it's very, very powerful. And uh, what we've learned is that you build a community and people want to be part of it. Uh, people are willing to give a lot into the community as part of that. That's great. Okay. Um, so what do you look for when you're willing, you know, when you're considering whether to accept a company or not? What kind of attributes or characteristics do they have to have? And, you know, what are warning signals that they may not be a fit? So the, uh, so I'll start with the positive. So the most important thing for us are kind of uh, to have people that are uh, creative, out-of-the-box thinkers. Because uh, starting a, uh, a startup in a very early stage industry like augmented reality and virtual reality industry is, you need to be able to be flexible in terms of how you're tackling the challenges that come at you. Uh, so we're looking for very, very creative people that are, uh, are coming in. Uh, the second thing we're really looking for are people that uh, are technically solid in what they're doing. Because, uh, again, we're a technology company, and uh, you need people that actually know how to solve their problems. Once you have that, the biggest uh, difference between what we're looking for and what most other kind of startups kind of have is uh, people that want to be part of a team. So there's individuals that are very good and some of them will succeed uh, in building a company, uh, but we cannot afford, given what we're doing, to have a kind of me first attitude. 
So we want people that believe in themselves, that want to succeed, that are willing to kind of put the extra effort, but uh, they value kind of being part of a team. It's not just about them. Hmm. Um, I would think that, you know, VR, AR startups, uh, the field is like super tech heavy. How do you help them navigate which patents they have to be aware of and need to license or you know, they may even be showstoppers that won't let them do their application? Yeah, so what kind of uh, we consider IP to be critical uh, because of the early stage of the industry. And we have uh, partnered with one of the uh, largest uh, law firms uh, in kind of IP law, kind of certainly here in New York. And not only when they came in to, to, to kind of to see if we want to work together, they actually saw what we're working on and uh, decided to invest in us. So our relationship is stronger than just kind of uh, lawyers and companies. And uh, we work with them in partnership to kind of uh, guide our team. So kind of the head IP lawyer from, from the law firm will come in and spend time with the teams, hearing what they're working on and giving them kind of advice as well as kind of understanding where we can have uh, IP that we can capture as our own. Uh, so, so we see this as a very okay. important piece of, of, the, uh, of the equation. Well, in addition, so there's things that, there's things that you'll do for these companies you know, to take the load off of them. And then there's things that really only they can do. But even within the realm of the things that only they can do, where do they tend to need help or advice, you know, for, for people listening that are considering joining a group like yours or are doing a startup, you know, what, what advice would you give them? Yeah, so that's a very, very, very good question. So if you look at technology, obviously most of the teams here, the technology is in their heart, that's core. But many of the uh, technologists are relatively young and uh, they will rely on our CTO and VP of engineering who has a lot more experience to sit with each team, not solve the technology problem for them, but guide them and give them structure of how to solve their problems and how to kind of build products in a way that will allow them to be more effective. Uh, another area that they are kind of taking responsibility for is go to market, uh, but we will work with them on uh, business development, sales, marketing, and kind of participate with them as needed to help them kind of achieve sales. Uh, we're focusing our companies on uh, B2B. Uh, so we're not just making games and kind of putting them out there, but actually trying to solve business solution, uh, business problems uh, in a variety of industries. And we will go with them and uh, help them uh, kind of learn how to sell into kind of big companies, uh, which is a skill most people need. Yeah, what do you think? What's the end goal of a lot of startups? Do they even have one? And what should be the end goal? Or does that really matter on what they want to do? Should they end up trying well, to sell to somebody or sell to customers? It depends kind of. So kind of under Glimpse kind of, we actually are fully aligned with the team in terms of where the right end game is. Some of the companies would stay part of Glimpse forever. Some of them, uh, as they grow, would make sense for them to go out and uh, be independent on their own either as a kind of private company or as a public company. And some would make sense to sell them to a strategic kind of in the industry. So we're, uh, we have all the options open. And many times as they start, they don't know where they want to go. They, they know what they're passionate about, what they want to build. And uh, they kind of, they move forward and they build it. And then uh, life takes its own turn. So we, we keep all the options open for them. With any statistics you're aware of, um, you know, what percentage of startups make it if they're on their own versus with a co-op group like yours, you know, or an incubator, um, you know, what percentage uh, survive X number of years or go on to flourish, you know, any industry stats you're aware of? 
Well, kind of, so our model is unique. To the best of my knowledge, there's no one that does what we're doing. If you look at startups as a whole, kind of, uh, I would say from what I've heard, and this is anecdotal evidence and numbers, I don't have a number in front of me, uh, probably 90% of them don't make it past the first year. Uh, from our own perspective, kind of, we've had 10 that uh, eight of them have been here for more than a year and a half. So, uh, and we have had none that failed. We've had a couple that have a change of uh, strategy, but they continue to move forward. So I think uh, our models kind of show some effectiveness, but uh, it hasn't been studied yet. Well, in, in your experience, why do uh, a lot of startups fail? Why do so many fail in the first year? It's pretty quick. So kind of the number one reason startups fail is because they can't get funding. Uh, I would say most of the failures of startups is not because they can't solve the problem they're trying to solve or that the problem doesn't exist because most of them don't even get to, to really give a chance to solve that. Most of them fail because they either can't raise any money or they raise their money and then they go through it, burn it, and don't deliver on that result. Uh, both of these are solved under glimpse. Uh, obviously, kind of with us uh, funding their development, we have we keep our kind of hands on on their poles. We understand where kind of what's going on, and they will not fail for kind of for lack of funding. And uh, since we're kind of managing all the back end operations. Uh, they kind of, they're a very effective run kind of, uh, and this is kind of, I can tell you the stat that kind of our companies probably kind of uh, are, get from the same dollar about three times as much value as companies on the outside because they eliminate uh, all of the uh, overhead and outside services that many startups rely on to start their business. Uh, if you look at legal services, HR, kind of accounting, kind of marketing advisors and all sort of other places where the money goes, that's not straight development. Uh, we uh, try and run Glimpse as a very lean company and uh, very structured and allowing the companies to really kind of uh, maximize their chance of success. If I'm solving a real problem and my product you know, looks good, looks viable and all that, but I have no clue how to raise money, is it pretty for sure that you know, someone that does know how to raise money, like Glimpse Group or maybe someone else, you know, if I have someone on board that knows how to raise money, they're good at it. Is there any shortage of money out there so long as you know, no, my team is no good and my idea is good? There's no shortage of money, but uh, most of the money likes to follow trends. Uh, augmented reality and virtual reality is still in the show me stage of technology evolution. And therefore, uh, it's, it's very hard to raise money uh, as a standalone AR, VR company, especially kind of the smaller early stage startups. Uh, so having a good idea is a good start, and knowing someone that knows how to raise money is also helpful. Uh, but still, for a standalone uh, company, even with a great idea and a uh, someone that knows how to raise money, it's not easy. Uh, raising money as a whole kind of is not an easy task unless you're in a very very hot sector where the money is chasing any idea that looks like it. Okay. So all right. In how is Glimpse different from uh, an incubator? I'm not even sure exactly because I haven't been in one. You know, what does a traditional incubator do? And then what do you guys do that's different from that? Well, kind of, uh, we have, we, we take some of the best features of an incubator, but the model is totally different. In an incubator, you come in for a short period, three to six months. You get some advice and some support uh, and usually kind of some real estate to, to be in. 
but it's your company. They take a very small piece of equity as, as a uh, reward for their efforts. And after the end of the process, they basically say, thank you, give you a nice diploma and uh, tell you to come in for the next uh, alumni uh, event in three months. Uh, in Glimpse, since we own those companies, we actually acquire all the startups that come into Glimpse. We own 100% of them. We create an incentive structure for the entrepreneurs, but we manage them as they are our business. We let the entrepreneurs, as I said, manage the, the, their, their individual uh, plan to kind of execute the product and take it to market. But all the financial responsibility stays with Glimpse. It, doesn't, it never goes away until we kind of, the company is mature enough to be uh, sold or kind of uh, stand on its own two feet. So uh, it's a totally different model. The benefit uh, of an incubator is having that kind of shared experience and being together with a bunch of startups. We have that at Glimpse, but they're actually kind of uh, aligned with each other versus kind of in a regular scenario, you have a lot of startups from different industries and all of them obviously don't have any equity interest in each other. So they're kind of helping each other as friends, but not they can't really uh, add value uh, in a big way. What does the equity interest look like? I mean, you get reservations. I, I'm sure you set the expectations up front, but you know, what does it look like if I join and there's nine other companies and I'm the tenth? How much equity am I giving them, and how much am I getting from them? Well, you're not giving them or getting them. So the model is very, very simple, but it takes kind of a usually a couple of sessions before entrepreneurs really get it. So let's start with kind of what happens on the outside. So kind of if if a group of entrepreneurs or one entrepreneur starts a company. Over time, uh, the average company upon exit in the U.S., the entrepreneurs get 7% of the economic interest when there's an exit. So if you look at all the companies uh, in the last well, 10, 15 years, I don't know what the survey was, uh, and they measure the economic interest that entrepreneurs end up with after all the dilution that comes from uh, multiple rounds of financing and options to employees and down rounds and all the things that's kind of come into play, the average team kind of ends up, the founding team ends up with 7%. We tell our entrepreneurs that if there's an exit from their business, they will receive 10% undiluted. So they're going to have their cake, in a sense, actually have a slightly bigger than average piece of their own business. On top of that, since we're acquiring them, we're giving them equity in the current company that owns all 10 of these based on the value they've created to date. So if they already have a prototype and a product, then they'll obviously get a bigger piece than if it's just a business plan and nothing else. Uh, and we will negotiate that value with each team. It uh, doesn't matter if they're the seventh team or the 17th team. And uh, when they come in, now their equity piece gives them ownership of all the companies that are part of Glimpse today, but also every company that will continue to come, they will own as Glimpse shareholders a piece of that. Now, when there's an exit, what happens is, as I said, the entrepreneurs team will get the 10% undiluted. And then the 90% that stays at Glimpse will actually distribute it to all of our shareholders, which many of them are the entrepreneurs of all the other teams, which creates a scenario where kind of if one team exits, everybody else gets kind of uh, some reward. Now, obviously not as big as the team that actually achieved the exit, but something that will be very significant to them, regardless of how successful their individual venture was. So the, so the stats say that when a founder sells, they only get about 7% of their company? Well, the 7% is actually the average kind of in the U.S. So you found a company today, you start raising money. The average company raises six or seven rounds of financing before they achieve an exit. And uh, the founders end up with kind of 7% on average. I know stories of founders that ended up with less than uh, 1% of, of their company, even though they founded it and run it all the way to the exit. 
uh, dilution is very, is very, very impactful, especially as you can continue to kind of raise money. Uh, our founders will end up with 10%, and that's guaranteed because that's an undiluted number. So they actually end up with more uh, equity in their own company than if they would raise money in the traditional route. So what does that tell you about how much money you need to raise or to even consider you know, starting a business, how much money it needs to make for it to be worthwhile to a founder? Do, they, do you do that calculation with them at the outset? No, uh, you can't. You, kind of, you, you don't know where it's going. Uh, founders kind of have a passion to build something and they raise money to allow them to achieve success. The problem is many of them have never run a business and therefore they're not running their business in an effective manner and uh, that hurts their ability to kind of be successful. Uh, but obviously different businesses have different capital requirements, depends on your, your, your model, how early you can get to revenue and how early you can get to profitability and kind of what happens in the markets that you're attacking in the next two, five, seven, ten years. So it, it, you, can't, you can't foresee that kind of uh, for any given startup. Yeah, I just wondered if, uh, you know, if founders were aware of that, maybe it would kill their desire and their passion to do the startup, or maybe it's better. Maybe it gives them a realistic exit. I don't know. Do you, do you see that founders um, anticipate that they'll have a super high amount of money when they exit? Are they, are they disappointed or they don't even think about that? You know, what's your experience? Well, you, you have to show them that they're actually going to have, they basically have kind of multiple shots on goal versus one shot when they have their own company. But even for their own company, they're actually going to end up with more uh, of the economic interests than the average founders will get. And uh, I think uh, we can show them that kind of being part of what we're doing actually increases their likelihood uh, to achieve success which is a big factor. So when they look at the economics of things, once they understand the full uh, impact of our model and they see kind of what, what it means to be part of a glimpse and they want to be part of it, uh, the decision is usually pretty easy once they get all that data. Okay, all right, makes sense. Um, so what else is Glimpse doing? I mean, this is enough, obviously. The program sounds really good. Uh, it sounds like it makes a lot of sense and it'll help companies succeed more often. Um, are there other projects that you're working on, or is this, you know, the whole scope of it? Again, this is plenty, but I wanted to ask. Yeah, no, we're kind of, we're kind of, we're running ourselves as a virtual reality and augmented reality company. We're just running as a platform company with ten individual companies under us. So kind of, so each one of our companies is providing uh, either software or services in their space. So we're we have companies that work for education, uh, healthcare, kind of financial services, restaurants. Uh, uh, sports and a variety of other industries. Uh, so as a company kind of that, that I'm running, kind of we're kind of we're providing multiple solutions to multiple businesses. Uh, it's kind of like a big holding company, but of startups. Do you, um, how much overlap would you say you have between the uh, 10 companies that you work with? And do you deliberately try to engineer that in so that everyone benefits and there's like a synergy? Well, so we deliberately engineered that none of our companies compete with each other because that will kind of prevent them from kind of helping each other out and will cause a lot of issues internally. But there's a lot of synergies between our companies. We've had multiple situations where we, uh, we talked to a potential customer and when we heard what the solution that the customer was looking for, we used uh, pieces of technology or parts of kind of what to solve that solution for multiple companies. Uh, we've had multiple ones where we had two, three, and even four companies get together to solve a customer's problem. 
Oh, wow. That's very cool. Okay. So what's the best way for um, interested firms to get in contact and to apply to be part of uh, Blend's group? Uh, the best way is to go to our website and uh, kind of connect with us. There's a kind of a contact us uh, tab there, or they can just email me at liron at zavinsgroup.com, and uh, I will uh, respond to their email. And liron is L-Y-R-O-N, right? Correct. All right, and then last question. Um, are there other, uh, you know, we can call them incubators, whatever you want to call them, but are there other groups out there in other industries that are doing something similar to what you're doing or is it Not just you guys, so far as you can see? I, I, I think that kind of our model is unique. I think you can replicate this model in other industries. And one of the uh, metrics of success for us as a whole is if we can, uh, we will see uh, copycats trying to do what we're doing in other industries. I think that will be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, very good. All right, Ron. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast. And it's uh, very interesting what you guys do. I'm glad I talked to you about it. Thank you. And I enjoyed our conversation. You've been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, both to review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.